1: What's happening everybody welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed up anthony sanfilippos here i'm bob wankel and anthony i think last time we talked i said that the phillies uh they have this annoying habit of getting to 500 maybe a game above it you feel kind of good about their direction and then they have this way this this way that they always seem to to find where they they come back and they fall down again um And that's exactly what happened this week against the San Francisco Giants. A miserable three-game sweep. We're recording this on a Friday morning, so we've had more than 24 hours to kind of digest what we saw out west this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would tell you that my tone in this podcast will be different than it would have been had we recorded, I don't know, late Wednesday night. But I I come into this and um, I feel a little bit like, I don't know what the word is. I feel concerned. I think I feel annoyed a little bit uh, about where this team's at. And I'm kind of curious if you have anything coming into this episode that, like, are you going to do the thing today where you're like, well, Bob, it's it's only 43 games. And the 2022 Phillies were 20 and 23. To, like, are we going to do that today? Or can we acknowledge that this team's been pretty, pretty bad?
0: Well, first thing is is I would say that you, you would probably have different words to describe what you're feeling if we did this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, because,
1: you know why? Because I have because <laughs> I'm telling you, I have I have access, I have press access. I know that the people in the organization listen to this show for a fact. And I like a lot of people that work for the Philadelphia Phillies, and so I am choosing the high road this morning. But if I were but no, in the
0: mo- but in the moment like it's a lot different when you're doing it you know 36 <laughs> hours after the fact than it would yeah. be if you did it like right when it was happening I, i'm
1: just right. admitting to the listeners that i am a fraud and that uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> if, if i had no affiliation to this thing whatsoever i might be choosing different language right
0: now. Uh, no but i get it look it, there is no excuse for what we've seen uh, like over the course of the past few weeks in all honesty to be able to go from you know I what did they what, they won 4 in a row, lost 6 in a row, won 5 in a row, lost 4 in a row. Like you you can't be that inconsistent. You can't be that streaky. Um of course we get excited by the the the, the positives and the you know when they win a bunch in a row. We're like, "Oh, that's great." But um but yeah, you you can't be that streaky. Um I, I'm not I'm not going to give you the whole, "Oh, this was the same record they had a year ago and look they went to the World Series" speech. That's that's a given. Um and, and you can't ever bail on a team in you know on May 19th uh, unless you're the Oakland A's or, or something like that but I mean if you're like a legitimate team with a legitimate group of players obviously you're not going to bail on them on May 19th but this past week especially was as, as as bad as it gets in my mind you know it's one thing to lose like they did to the Dodgers but it's the Dodgers right it's you know, you go okay. They got their ass kicked by a good team. They were they were ill prepared for it. They looked like they, you know, they needed to just be you know smacked awake, and 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 they got smoked by the Dodgers. Um, but to get swept by a team as bad as the San Francisco Giants are, and you had pointed out they had a couple of decent starters going, and the one good starter, like the one good starter they had going, it was the one guy that they actually seemed to get to, and that was Cobb.
1: And the uh, only reason why—I mean, to be honest with you—like, I'm I'm going to come in a little bit more with like a little bit more venom today. Like, the only reason yeah. they got to him is because Alex Cobb unraveled and couldn't throw a strike. Yeah, yeah. it's not.
0: It's, the Phillies didn't do anything. No, well, well, I mean? well, I'll tell you what they did. What they did was what is they, they made, recognized. They, them
1: it. Them work. they yeah, recognized it, and they made him work. Right. And, and awesome. made them
0: work. Yeah. But which is something that they have not done. Yeah. That, I mean, if you really want to be honest, like go back to the Austin Gomber start in Colorado, where they <laughs> he had 54 pitches through six innings or whatever the hell it was so i mean that was that's what i'm saying like that was the one thing that they did right in this series um but then then they don't they don't they can't hit any of the other pitchers the giants lineup sucks and they get they let them hit the ball all over the place uh the giants bullpen sucks and the phillies can't solve them it's it was an embarrassment they they would make bad defensive plays they had bad starting pitching um that or in, in, if you want to call, I guess, I guess the Bailey Falter thing was wasn't really a start. It's technically a relief outing, but whatever. Um, th- they just seemed like they were not with it at all. And then you got the whole runners in scoring position thing, which is beyond understanding. I mean, it, how can you be one of the top five hitting teams, but then when you got guys on base, you suddenly suck? Like I, I, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, it, it's all it's all inexcusable. It's all, you know, bad. And they need to freaking fix it. Uh, you know, you can't bail, but they need to fix this now.
1: Yeah, nobody – like, you don't have to bail, right? Like, I feel like that this fan base or, or the way – like, and – uh... I'm a big proponent of like Twitter's not real life, but we exist on Twitter as people that that write about the team, talk about the team. So a lot of the opinions that I absorb come through Twitter. And then I obviously I talk to friends and family members who are big Phillies fans. They're like, well, what do you think? What's the deal? Here's my opinion. And like it seems like that there's like no in-between. Like you can't say, hey, you know what? I think this team's probably still going to make the playoffs. I still think it has a lot of talent. It, there's too much talent here not to figure it out. But that also that this was a disgraceful a disgraceful four-game stretch. And it yeah. is a disgraceful four-game stretch. And the reason why is because it's not isolated. It's the same damn thing over and over again. It's surge ahead. Get to 500. Feel good about where you're at. Have an advantageous setup. It's all there for you to kind of make that run. And they can't do it. And I don't know if it's a lack of focus. I don't know if it's a, a – a, lack of attention to detail i don't know if it's indifference i don't know it's because they they putzed around for 50 games 60 games last year and they were able to turn it on so they don't feel the need to have to bear down and and do their job right now i I don't know what it is or i don't know guys that are just trying to you know with expectation off of a world series run they're trying to do too much like maybe it is that but the way it looked this week it looked like a lack of attention it looked like indifference it lackadaisical unfocused sloppy routine plays dropping fly balls dropping feeds at second base miscommunication on pop-ups and shallow right field the, the inability to bear down with runners in scoring position it's a disaster and it's not just isolated to what we saw in san francisco we've seen this shit all year So, and they said it, you know, Dave Dombrowski did an interview. I believe it was with Scott Lauber yesterday. He said, I expect us to play better. I'm, I don't know if he used the word disappointed, but that was certainly what he was conveying. Trey Turner, who's been as bad as anyone, probably as culpable as anybody for the Phillies underwhelming start, said it after the game on Wednesday. Like all we do is talk or we've done a lot of talking. It's time to do it. Well, well, Trey, I, I totally agree with you, man. And like, so if you're a Phillies fan right now, like, How about like, like, let's stop doing like the, well, they get the complete benefit of the doubt because they made a run and dancing on my own last October. Like, can we just, can we just close the door on that now? Because guess what? They didn't win. They didn't win the World Series last year. They didn't win. So like, let's close the door on that. And it's great. Like they do deserve some benefit of the doubt because this group I think is talented. And I think that they have the right makeup and I'm surprised by how bad they've been. But like we've got to put that behind us now. I don't want to hear about 2022 yeah. as a good uh, as a reason to feel good about what you've watched from 43 games in 2023.
0: Correct. And I and I think I think everything what you just said is probably I, I think the way I would I would break it down, Bob, is exactly what you just what you just said. And when you look at this team, I think there when you say that there's indifference, or uh, I, I'm going to say maybe that's not the right word, but basically what it is is that, that maybe they feel like. You know, we are, the we're the, we're the Phillies. We were, we were in that world series last year. We're a talented group of multimillionaires getting paid big money. We have an ability to turn this on when we need to turn it on. It will come. No worries. Relax. And then when now we're going through, you know, we're 43 games into the season, you know, and, and it's, you're starting to see some things, you know, repeatedly happen, I think that they sit there and go, okay, well, we can't have that happen, so let's let's bear down a little bit too much at two, at some points, and you try too hard. Then I think that there have been mistakes of, of that as well, and that's usually later in games. Um, you know, they're a little bit more lackadaisical early, and then once they realize, oh, shit, we're behind, all right, let's, let's bear down now, and, and then they do too much. Um, and so so then that happens. Um, but at the same time, you know, y- you give y- you know, this team is resilient and you say, OK, so maybe, you know, let's allow that a little bit extra rope for them because of that resilience. But that doesn't make what's happened OK. Right. right? I mean, so it, all these things can exist within the same world. It, you know, yes, you can believe that they're resilient and that they'll be OK and they'll probably still make the playoffs. I said it on crossing broadcast the other day or yesterday when when I was asked by, by Kyle Pagan, he said, Do you still think this is a playoff team? I said, Yeah, I do, but only because not because I'm convinced that this team will turn it around. But you look at the National League and you say they may be the best of a mediocre bunch, right? That's that's still still out there. So that's why I think they get there, but that doesn't justify playing as poorly as they have and and then struggling when they then try too hard because you shouldn't be putting yourself in those positions.
1: Yeah, I'm with you and I mean to be clear, do I think that the Phillies are a playoff team still? I do. So like what I just said is like that's the reality of the first 43 games. Yeah. It's been underwhelming. I think that they are very worthy of criticism. I think to just simply dismiss everything that has gone wrong and said, "Hey, come on. These are the these are the Phillies." Like they haven't earned that. They have not earned that. But I still think that there's enough talent there. I do believe, and we've talked on the show, I believe in the the makeup and the chemistry of that clubhouse. That was real last year. I saw it. If, if I had to go into DraftKings right now and make a bet, will the Phillies make the playoffs? Plus 105 is yes right now. So there's some value on that. I would take that bet. I would bet on this team to make the playoffs. So I I do not want to position myself as the guy that doesn't believe in the Phillies or, oh, you wrote them off after a quarter of the season. That's not what I'm doing but like, let's not just excuse everything because we had a good time last October. And and that's what I would, that's what I would say. And this team has some serious work to do. One of the things that you talked about at the very top here was the runners in scoring position thing. And that has really come into focus this past week. We've been banging this drum all season. I mean, you go back and listen to our shows from four or five weeks ago. And we're talking about, man, this team really has struggled situationally, especially with runners on base. And I, I just want to Throw out some numbers here because it's not just that it's baffling that you have all this talent that has not been able to produce with runners in scoring position. It's the disparity of how they perform when there's nobody on base. It's insane. So, like, just like just bear with me here for a second. So, with nobody on base this season, the Phillies are hitting 260. That's the third best batting average in Major League Baseball. They have the fourth best slugging percentage with nobody on base. And so then you combine all these things on base, slugging, 758 OPS, six best in baseball. That's what you expect from this lineup. Like those numbers are, are what you would expect from a group of hitters that have this type of talent. But then you put runners on base, and they're down to 232. They're 26th in baseball. So you have the third-best average with nobody on, but you have the 26th-best average with runners in scoring position. 324 slugging percentage is dead last. They have a top-four slugging percentage with nobody on, and they're dead last in slugging with runners in scoring position. And their 642 OPS is 28th. That is insane. Like, I don't know how the hell you explain that. I don't know if it is if it is being too tight, trying to do too much, if it's just one of these crazy-ass statistical anomalies that has to even itself out in time. I don't know what the deal is. But it is remarkable how poorly they have performed with runners in scoring position in high-leverage spots versus what they do with nobody on. It's crazy. Bob and speechless. I don't have an explanation for it. <laughs> uh, it really, it
0: is—it's speechless because uh, you know you try you try to figure it out, you try to explain it, you try to say, "Well, why does this happen?" And it's—it's it's a terrible approach at the plate. They don't fi- it, you know. Sometimes you can have product. We've talked about this before. This isn't—this isn't like I'm saying something here that's—that's that's, you know uh, enlightening, but <laughs> you can have productive outs. When you have runners in scoring position, like I wouldn't mind so much. You got a guy on second and one out, you know, that, you know, you, the runner makes it to third. And then the next guy gets him, gets him home on a, on a little single or a bloop single or something. Totally fine. You can get, but they, so many times they strike out with runners in scoring position. Do you have that number handy by any chance? The number of times they've struck out with runners in scoring position no, because but to if me
1: that talk about other things i can dig it up at some point <laughs> well I mean, you can, you, can, you can you can find now just i
0: mean it's fine but that's the one you know as i watch these yeah. games go on that i really get annoyed with because it's like I, you're not even putting a ball in play like right. just put the ball in play you don't know what's going to happen right A guy can make an error you know like the outfielders can collide anything even if even those th- those those things are minimal percentage chance of happening that's better than zero because if you don't put the ball in play the runners aren't going anywhere right so there's zero chance of them going anywhere if you're not putting it in play so you, you just got to be able to put the ball in play and they strike out so much and it drives me insane it really drives and I know it's not easy hitting's not easy I don't want to make it seem like but these guys are the best in the world at what they do so making contact should be a thing that they can do And the fact that they don't, and when you see what they're striking out on, whether it's swinging, I think they swing at more pitches out of the zone than anybody else in baseball right now. I think they're, uh, you know, you look at Turner, I think Turner's at 41% swinging, Mm -hmm. swinging at pitches out of the zone. His career, he was 31%. I mean, yeah, he's an aggressive hitter, but now he's ridiculously aggressive. He's Nick Castellanos' 2022 level aggressive. I mean, that's absurd for a guy like that. You know, and, and and I don't want to just make it about him because he's not the sole reason that they're struggling. But man, it, it's you know, I texted you during that game Wednesday, and they're down seven to four in the ninth inning, and they load the bases. Uh, Camilo Duvall could not throw a strike; he was all over the place. And, and I'm actually, I'm actually stunned he didn't hit more batters than just Josh Harrison. That's how wild he was. And and Turner gets to come up, bases loaded, two outs. And I texted you. I said, look, they don't even need to win this game. Right. They don't at this point, they don't even need to win the game. But Trey Turner in this spot comes up, just get a hit, drive in a run, drive in two runs, and then you lose the game seven to five or seven six, whatever. But that would be something that would be like, okay, now he's he, this is a this is kind of a launching off point for him. I could I could take a silver lining out of this bad, bad trip, okay, to yeah. San Francisco. And he comes up and just is shit in that at bat swung a pitch that he I mean, it was a strike and he looked like he was failing at a strike for strike three he had no idea what was coming he had no idea where it was going he's just up there just blindly swinging and it's like man like that
1: is i mean how many times have we used the term non-competitive yeah. non-competitive at bats in yeah. big spots and you said it like here comes this situation it's been a rough start he really needs that that hit, I think, in that spot to kind of get things going. And you just knew, like, and, and it's amazing. Like, you're talking about a player that forget the salary, forget three hundred million dollars. Like, just a player that you know that has that type of track record. Like, you just expect eventually it's going to come. And I guess I still do, but but when you know? And and yeah. you were thinking to yourself, this guy he doesn't have a feel for the zone. He's all over the place. This is an opportunity to pounce, and he just couldn't do it. And I actually tweeted after the game Trey Turner, six for 38 with zero homers and 14 strikeouts with runners in scoring position this season. He's three for 22 with two outs and runners in scoring position. So if there's a player that's representative, Uh, in isolation of the Phillies' greater struggles in that spot, it certainly is him. Um, And you really start to dig in on the numbers with him, and it's it's just crazy. Like, let me just give this to you real quick. Since 2018, here are his batting averages against left-handed pitching. And you were actually the first one to point this out a couple weeks ago, that he's really struggling against lefties. But, you know, 2018, 287, the following year, 316, 375, 392, 298. Pretty good. He's hitting 218 against lefties this season. You look at the OPS since 2019 against lefties. 812, 1.185, 1.150, 886. 886 is a a significant drop year over year from 1.150, right? Still pretty good. 677 this year. I mean, that's crazy. And there is a large enough sample size here where you kind of go like, what the hell? And, And then you talk about, Wednesday's game and just this this problem with them being able to make contact in big spots like let me take you back to the seventh inning like I I don't love to like dial in on situations two days later like if we were doing this post game it would be like I think what I would lead with but it just baffles me like you start the seventh inning Trey Turner nobody on base by the way base hit Brandon Marsh comes up bunts He's on first. It's first and second. Like they're making things happen. Here come the Phillies, putting a little pressure on in a tie game, and up comes Josh Harrison. No bunt. Let's let's let. Like, what has Josh Harrison done this year that has warranted him warranted him to swing in that situation? He hasn't earned that. Nobody's and, and, earned that.
0: And, and and Thompson admitted that he he probably should have bunted at he that point. it
1: up, you know. What? I mean, like I'm not trying to do yeah. like hot league podcast here, but like Gabe Kapler, like I texted you. I was like. Did Kapler outmanaged Rob Thompson on Wednesday? I'm not saying that he's a better manager. I'm not saying that I'd rather have – like, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, like, on Wednesday, like, Rob was outmanaged, and it I think cost the Phillies a game. Like, I do. I, I think that the Phillies lost that game on Wednesday in the top of the seventh inning. Because then you had Bryson Stock come up after the strikeout by Harrison, double play, and that was kind of it. You know, I just I, – I don't get it. I don't get anything this team's doing. So when I talk about, like, lack of focus, like, lack of – pop right now. I think that extends into the dugout too. Like, I'm sorry. Like I don't, you know, I I think that Rob was the manager of the year last year. I really do. I think that he was so integral into everything that happened and when they turn it around or they get hot because they will, I'm going to say, Hey, like, this is, this is why Rob is good because he didn't bang the panic button when things were going wrong. Like that's probably going to be a talking point on this show and a lot of other shows at some point. But right now, like he has not, he's not done a very good job. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, and and you, you know, when you look at what the job at Rob's done, um, well, two things. One, it goes back to the beginning of the year, right? Where the pitcher's pitching staff wasn't ready to come into the season that's got to fall on the manager right even even if you want to even if you really want to look look further down the line and say it was an organizational decision to not get them as built up in the spring and not make them throw as much or you know in the offseason or you want to put it on the pitching coaches that's fine too but ultimately it's got to fall at the head of the manager because he's the one in charge of everything. Um, so you go back to that, and then like you said, go through like game by game situations. Did you know? Did you pull the starter at the wrong time and go turn it to the bullpen? Did you overuse Andrew Bellotti early in the season and that put him on the you know the IL? And you know, or, are we exposing Edmundo Sosa too much? Did you wait too long to change the lineup and move Schwarber now? You know, like there's a million things you can look at and say. Did that impact this team in some capacity from a managerial perspective? Um, and you know, just in that in the moment, you say in that seventh inning, look, if you get a bunt down there, even move those runners along, you you probably have a shot at getting at least one run. Now, do you, does Soto still have his blow up inning? If you're up five four as opposed to four four, who knows, right? I mean, well, you know, you, you, nobody ever will ever know the answer to that. But you're probably right. You know and, and so that yeah it does have to extend to the to the manager at times and I just want to just go back not that I want to beat a dead horse with Trey Turner but you mentioned that he's six for, six for 38 right with with runners in scoring position so that means that there are 32 times he made an out you said 14 of them he struck out yeah so that's almost I mean that's almost that's like 40 what's that 40 percent 45 percent of the time you're not even making contact when you have runners in scoring position that's one player you know, I, I don't want to, I, again, I, I didn't want to harp on the whole one statistic situation, but my God, the strikeouts at, oh, at it's, it's inopportune times are, are awful.
1: Him and Kyle Schwarber are jockeying right now for the team leading strikeout. strikeouts. struck out 54 times. Trey Turner struck out 52. I mean, you're talking about having potentially two guys that hit in the top five of your order who strike out 200 times this season. Like, it's in play right now. And Nick Castellanos isn't far behind. He struck out 48 times. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, a high volume of strikeouts. And, listen, I understand it's 2023. We don't live in the same era that that we were in 30 years ago, where like strikeouts are taboo. They're not. You know, it, it's a different game now. There's a different approach. Strikeouts are up. I get that, but like for Trey Turner to be approaching 180, 190 strikeout pace through a quarter of the season, that's just that's just not what you sign up for. It's just not.
0: No, so and- I,
1: I think you're very fair to harp on that, or I think it's fair to highlight that 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 particular problem.
0: And you can you can live with guys striking out a lot more if they're in those positions where they're RBI spots in the lineup, they're power hitters, you know. You know that's part of the game, right? You you you're not happy with it, but you accept it a lot more. I, I accept it less from Trey Turner just because of where he's at and what his what his role is supposed to be. He's supposed to be a guy who is a dynamic player at the top of your lineup, who's getting on base and making things happen. And you know, he's not a he's not a Forty home run power hitter. He's a guy at the top of the lineup who's supposed to just, you know, set the table, get you know, steal a bag, go first to third, you know, use his speed. Do, you know, he can he can you know hit the get singles. He goes line to line, singles and doubles. You know, pot, he'll give you the you know twenty home runs. That's great, but that's what he's supposed to be. He's not supposed to be a guy who's striking out two hundred times a season. So that's where I have an issue with it because it's he's not a three true outcome guy. And right now he's a one true outcome guy, <laughs> and that's yeah. not good.
1: Um, and yeah, the only other thing I would say, like just going back to, to Rob and some of the criticisms there, I at the end of the day am, am pro manager in that players have to perform. And so Gregory Soto going out there in the eighth inning on, uh, or is it the seventh or the eighth? On he was out there in the eighth. yeah, was the eighth and then inning. he explodes, like you know, it, it, a manager looks like a manager doesn't look good when you press a button and your player doesn't perform and you press a button and your player performs, you look smart. Like it is on the player, but I think that there have been enough things that have transpired this year with just the overall way this team has played some of the questionable decisions that he's made that have seemingly backfired at a higher frequency than they have previously. Like I I'm not saying that he's the number one reason that this is happening. I think that we grow up, I really, I believe this. And I say this as a guy that, that is coached. Um, I, I believe that a, there's a lack of accountability a lot of times instilled by parents in like a household level where when things go wrong, it's blame the manager. And I think that that happens at a little league level. I think it happens, at, at, you know, in a youth level, high school level. I think that's the way that we're wired. And I think that that extends up to pro sports. Like when a team doesn't win, it's got to be the manager. It's got to always be the manager's fault like or the coach's fault. And that's why, you know, you get into the season and you look at what the Phillies did last year and you go on Twitter and you already have people saying, well, fire Rob Thompson. Like, that's insane. Like, you can sit here and be critical of the job that he's done and say the Phillies should not be 20 and 23. And a lot of these things may fall on him to some degree. But to say that he should be removed from his job based on the first 43 games after what we saw last year is, is idiotic. It is. Mm-hmm. You know, but at, at the same time, like, I think that that's just like the, I think people are programmed that way. It's, it's, it's always the manager's fault. It's always that it's, it's always the the supervisor's fault. And I, I just don't think that that's, I don't think that's fair. So like wh- I think Rob should be introduced into the conversation of the blame game, but I don't think ultimately this truly falls on him. They, they need these guys who they're paying very handsomely to perform better. Like that is at the end of the day, the bottom line. And I know you can point to the Girardi Thompson switch last year and say, the manager really matters. It it truly does matter. But I think in that sense, it was about the vibe and the feel of, of the, like, and the, and the morale. I I think that they needed that new voice. Like here, I don't think, I, I don't think in less than a year, they need a new voice. Like that, that's not the solution here.
0: No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll try and I'll try and, uh, uh, further your point a little bit as as to put it on the players. Now I know you, know, you don't want to use war as the be all end all measurement for for a player, especially only two months into a season. You know, forty not even two months, uh, forty three games into a season. But if I had to say to you right now, top twelve Phillies uh, players in war, how many of them are either relief pitchers? We're not currently on the on the uh, active roster.
1: <laughs> Out of twelve, how many of them are there? Uh, yeah, seven. Yeah it's a seven, little. That would be a little high. It's six, five. five? five. Okay.
0: So, so it's five. So four, it's it's four guys who are currently in the bullpen, and one guy who is not act on the active roster because he's injured. So the four guys currently in the bullpen amongst the top twelve are Strom, Brogdon. Alvarado, and uh, Andrew Vazquez, of all Amazing. people. Amazing. And, and the one guy who's not on the active roster because he's injured is Christian Pache, who actually comes in at number 12. So what does it tell you about some of the players on your team right now when you have four bullpen guys, including including your mop-up guy, because that's what Vasquez is, and an injured player who who played what? 10 game with Christian Pache play before uh, 18. He played in 18 games. He got 26 played appearances that those five, those five players are amongst your 12 best players so far this year, based on the measurement of war. How, how do you explain that?
1: How do you explain right? that?
0: That's my point. That's what it's that. So that's why it has to fall on players more than on the manager, because the players are just not performing the way that they need to perform. Do, now, do granted,
1: there, do, do you think that there's well, anything say, There's a him?
0: caveat here?
1: OK, go ahead.
0: Now, the caveat is, is Bryce Harper likely would be amongst this group if he didn't miss, you know, the, the, as much time as he missed to start the year. So right. keep that in mind. And Harper is not included in this because he just hasn't played enough. So that's the one little caveat. But go ahead. Continue with your point
1: so we always hear like the the loser of the Super Bowl. It's really hard for them to get back. Like there's a been over time. We, we see this proven that the next season, it's always a letdown. Look out Eagles. And, you know, I guess that applies to pretty much every sport. So here you are and you're the Phillies and you're in the World Series and you reach this level of electricity and, you know, the the games mean so much more and there's just a different feel and a different energy and you like rise to that level. And now like this year, you're like, we talk about the hangover, like the next season hangover. And I don't think it's because you're feeling yourself, but do you think it's like almost kind of like, well, the stakes aren't as high. the, The, the feeling isn't the same. The energy isn't the same. And like, you kind of acclimate to that level and then like you come back and it's, it's not at that level. So you aren't as intrinsically like i don't want to say intrinsically motivated but like as dialed in is like is that what happens here like is, is that is that could that be part of what we're seeing because like when you talk about war and and how there's just really been like this across the board lack of like meeting the standard meeting the expectation like there's got to be some big picture contextual factor that helps explain this
0: yeah maybe and the one thing i was the one thing i thought about from that perspective bob is that maybe this is just a team full of red light players and so that when the when the spotlight is on them the most is when they perform the best and when the spotlight is not on them the most they just kind of are there um yeah you know and that's Part of that is, you know, you look at that and you say, Well, those are the kind of players you want when the games are most important. But at the same time, you sit there and say that's a negative in the in the in the grand scheme because the season's long and they play a lot of games that aren't when the spotlights on, you know. I don't know. And and, and when you look at the when you look at the players and you sit there and say, That's a that's that could be a little bit concerning. So um one thing we haven't even dove, dove into here, and it's it's 30 minutes into the show, and I think it's 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 worth bringing up now because you know we we beat up on Trey Turner pretty much, we beat up on the offense with the runners in scoring <laughs> position, no, and deservedly so. They, they they deserve it at this point. But man, the, the 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 situation that they have right now in the rotation is is really alarming. Um,
1: some are saying Anthony that the Phillies need two starting pitchers. That, that's
0: yeah. Some person has. Some people some, have said that some people have said it repeatedly um and and ultimately those people may may be right um i I certainly agree that they need one um the the second one will we'll we will see uh but it's starting to be a little bit concerning and uh, you know you look at the time we we had this conversation via text as well you know nolan wheeler haven't been great but they also haven't been terrible when you look at their total numbers um actually over their last six five or six starts they've They've really stabilized and kind of yeah. become who they are, right? That's I thought thing.
1: Wheeler. I thought Wheeler, especially this last time out against yeah. the Giants, was was really good, and I yeah. uh, gave up
0: four runs in the process. It was yeah. just it was just a weird start, right?
1: Yeah. Well, anytime you you can't catch a fly ball, that that helps.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but uh, but so so yeah, like ultimately, those two guys are are fine. Um, the problem is in the middle of the rotation. Now we know Ranger Suarez just came back and. And we got to give him a little bit of time, so there's, you know, the, the, that the jury's still out there. But I, I'm pretty confident that Ranger will be get back to being Ranger because right? yeah. that's just who he is. So, but then it comes to Taiwan Walker and then Bailey Falter, who has now been DFA'd or not DFA'd. Um, I'm sorry, he got he should <laughs> maybe, maybe he should be DFA'd. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe that was a Freudian slip. Uh, he got, just got sent down. Um, but uh, but uh, you look at Walker first. Let's look at Walker first. This is your this was a big offseason signing for them. Um, they needed they knew that they needed another pitcher in the middle of the rotation. There were a lot of options that they could have gone after, and they chose Taiwan Walker. And other than I think Walker's had what, eight starts now, seven starts? I think he's, he's had,
1: actually I think so. I think if my math is right, he's done he's had nine starts. Had he's had nine starts. He's he's failed to get through five innings in five of his nine starts.
0: Yeah, that's right. He's had nine starts, you're right. No, but of the nine, I look at him and I say he had three that were good and six that were no good. Yes. And the most recent one was it was obviously an abject disaster. He didn't even get out of the first inning um against the Giants and it's it's too it's such an alarming point that he can't throw when he can't throw a strike, just forget it. Forget yeah. it. Like there's nothing he, if he's not, if he's walking batters, he's going to get torched. It's when he has control of the zone that he's actually effective. So, which we've only seen in a third of his starts. You can't have the guy who is currently in technically in your number three spot right now, probably is more of your four. Once Suarez is completely up to speed. Um, But you can't have that guy be only effective every once, every three starts can't just can't and you and the fact that you're paying him what you're paying him <laughs> and when you look at the guy that you let go who could you could have had for 30 million dollars less but you were worried about it, his injury history it's almost like i'd rather have zach efflin at 110 innings 120 innings than taiwan walker at 160 pitching like this i was all, uh, i was of-
1: actually surprised i was surprised in the moment that uh, actually, I actually i was surprised by a few things with zach efflin one uh and you know I, i've speak pretty highly of him i I really i I like zach efflin both as a human being and as a as a pitcher i think that he kind of finally figured out who he was and the only thing that was really holding him back were were the injuries which are real you know that dependability uh is is key and i get why the phillies were hesitant to to commit to that especially for multiple seasons i was surprised that zach efflin got what he got i'm surprised he got the multi-year deal um but I'm a little bit surprised that the Phillies weren't more involved in that conversation. And I would think, especially, you know, I don't know how that all played out, but if there was a call where it's like, which team's interested in you? Oh, the Rays. Oh, (laughs) what do they know? You know, uh, it's what you should have known all along. Like I'm not going to crush the Phillies for, for uh, not bringing back Zach Afflin. but to go out and and do four years, 70, what a $72 million for Taiwan Walker, Uh, And to get what you've got at this point is, is extraordinarily alarming. And not only can you not have a guy give you a quality start one third of the time, but you certainly can't have it when you have this just total void in the, the fifth spot of your rotation, which is what the Phillies are now simultaneously dealing with. So you're going through your rotation two out of every five spots and, and you have no idea what you're getting. Uh, and when you're talking about making the playoffs and we, we can sit here and say, like, hey, like, listen, we believe in the clubhouse and there's enough offensive firepower here that in time, this runners and scoring position stuff has to get straightened out. You and I like the bullpen. I know it's been inconsistent, but you feel good. I still feel good about what they have back there. But like the inconvenient truth here is that six, you know, 40 percent of your starts are just you have no idea what the hell you're getting right now. I mean, none, you don't even know who's going to throw for you in one of them. Yeah. And that's the thing.
0: And and what I, the one part about that, that you haven't mentioned and everything you said is, is accurate. The one part about that is that's, that's even more concerning is, is it puts you, it puts a lot of undue pressure on the other three guys. Mm -hmm. Like if any of them has a bad start now, all of a sudden a majority of your starts are, uh Oh, right. I mean, so that's the thing. It's, like you need at least some consistency from the bottom two spots in your rotation. So that if one of your top three guys is, has an off day that you can, you know, okay, well, we don't, it's, it's, it, they look, they happen. We can, we can cover it. These guys will take, you know, they're, they're good enough that they can just cover it. Now you don't have that belief. You don't have that feeling that once you get to those two spots in the rotation that you're going to be able to cover it. So that's why, that's why it's, it's concerning. Um, and look, I know that you can go back and and, and look at the, the you know all the free agent pitchers from last year and sit there and say, well, they could have had this guy, could have had that guy, or say, well, wow, I'm glad they didn't sign this guy, glad they didn't sign that guy. And, and I think um, that the, the, that list made its way around Twitter yesterday at some point. You know, I think like you know Ivaldi's been uh, the one guy who's been like really good, who was in, in this tier, um, but that a bunch of other guys have have not been really good that were in this tier. So it was kind of like a hit or miss grouping. But you had the guy here. You had the player here. And I and I get it. You know, look, Tampa gave him a contract that the Phillies probably were not gonna expect that he was gonna get. Um but you have to wonder, like you said, you have to you have to kind of wonder, it. you know, if 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 they're looking at a guy like that at the price tag that they got him at, which by the way, was the biggest contract a free agent contract the Tampa Bay Rays have ever handed out. So what does that tell you? Yeah. Um that Zach Eflin is that guy for them. Um but if you look at it like that and say, OK, well, so the comparable player got what he got. Why are you giving a four year, seventy two million dollar contract to Taiwan Walker? Like, I would have rather you not spent that money like that and gone in a different direction. And I'm a guy who was OK, initially OK with the signing. So I don't want to you know, I, I don't want to make it. I, I want to be honest that, you know, I, when I first heard it, I was like, eh, it's probably a little high, but I think he'll be fine. Were well, were you
1: okay with the signing? Because, like, I think there's something to be said for track record. So yeah, right now if, yeah. if the Phillies don't do what they they did a year ago, I I don't know that the reception to the Taiwan Walker deal would have been the same. Like, I, I this organization has been so a- adrift for for so long that they they finally get an adult to run things. And they, they make the World Series last year. And you go, Dave Dombrowski, like, this dude's a Hall of Famer. Like, look at what he did. Look at how he built this team. But, again, I think it's a situation where because what happened last year happened, you come into this year with a little bit more leniency in how you evaluate and you discuss certain, certain performances. Like, you look at this offseason and – Trey, Trey Turner, three hundred million dollars. Taiwan Walker, seventy two million dollars. It's a lot of cash for two guys that have been dreadful. You know, yeah. but, but when we're talking, we have our podcast. You look at, read the papers. I don't see a lot of questioning about Dave Dombrowski, and I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you should, because I think that he's done a very good job in a short period of time getting this organization into a different place. I think that they're doing things the right way now, where there were a lot of questions before. I think the overall direction. Like, if the Phillies don't make the 2023 postseason, I don't think all of a sudden you start questioning everything from an organizational level. Like, I'm not, I'm not suggesting any of that. But 372 million dollars to two players who have been brutal. Like, eh, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, and I think,
0: I think what we lost sight of everybody not just you and me but the whole city lost sight of because of what they did last fall is the fact that this team was in such disarray from a from an organizational depth perspective yeah prior to Dombrowski getting here and what he did well to his credit was be able to find enough major, well, obviously with some some help from John Middleton's dollars, but was able to you know sign the right players and bring in the right major league veterans to kind of make the team competitive at the major league level while they were in the process of overhauling and restructuring and how they did things from a de- player development perspective in the minor leagues. But that's a that's a much that's a multi-year process to get that right you don't just suddenly bring in the right people to run it and all of a sudden the players that are in your system are fine and they're oh great they're going to develop now there was in a lot of cases the Phillies didn't even have the right players let alone the ones who can develop properly okay so so the minor league system is was is terrible and so you you look at it and this year we kind of forget the fact that Phillies 40-man roster is not all that exciting after the top after the major league players, right? It's just really not. You have a couple, you have a few nice pitchers that, you know, they got some pitching, but beyond that, there's not a lot there. So it puts a lot of pressure on Dombrowski and and, and his team, Sam Fauld is the GM, um, to really hit a home run every time you sign a major league quality player. Now, you, ultimately, we do think Trey Turner will be a home run, um, but you, you they're, they're going to have misses. And if you have a miss, it's, it's going to stick out more because you still don't have that organizational depth that can come in and cover, you know, a player going through a, a streaky, bad streak time. Right. So so the fact still remains is that the Phillies don't have organizational depth, probably won't for a few more years. And these guys that he brings in, they have to be right or else
1: you get what you're getting now. I was, I was curious to see what my, my Taiwan-Walker take was in the moment. It, you had said you liked the deal when they did it, and I said, all right, let me see if I can go back and look at and what I tweeted when they, they did the deal. So the night they did the deal, about an hour later, I said, you look at the three years $40 million for Eflin against four years $72 million for Walker and wonder which makes more sense. But 58 starts and the durability for Walker in 21 and 22 is a significant difference. Yeah. It's, it's basically kind of what you say now. You're like, it's, it's like at the time you go, what the hell are we doing? You know, you're paying almost twice as much with an extra year for Walker. The, the production isn't much better, but the, the durability and the availability aspect of it is, is the difference. And then I went on to say, but like, man, this starting pitching market is absolutely wild because if you would have said to me in October, two months before, not knowing fully what the landscape of the market would look like, you said, Hey, would you do four years, $72 million for Taiwan Walker? I would have said, get the fuck out of here. You know, I just would have, I would have said, absolutely not. But then you watch things play out and you go, wow, like Eflin got three years, $40 million and he's missing all these, like that, that market, the whole, the whole market was insane this winter. So I think like you have to you do have to kind of step back and look at the big picture and say, well, what was the going rate for a guy that makes 58 starts that were fairly productive too, by the way, over a two year stretch? Like it wasn't in relationship to the entire market dynamic. I don't think that this was an insane deal. The bottom line is he has to pitch better. I mean, who could have predicted that through nine starts that, as I said, six of them wouldn't have lasted five innings. The whole thing is that he can give you innings that he can he can give you some length and that he's out there and he's going to gobble up. At the back end of your rotation, give you some quality innings. Like who, who could have predicted that that only three of his starts would have lasted five innings at this point? It yeah. Just, there's no way you could have ever seen that coming.
0: Right. And and look, if we want to, if we want to play um you know Monday morning quarterback here and, and look at the pitchers that comparable pitchers that were out there and what they're doing so far, obviously. You're not talking about Degrom, Verlander, right? Those right. guys were top of rotation, whatever. And even that, Degrom's hurt. Verlander's been terrible. So, you know, I got Carlos
1: Verdone, who I love. Yeah, right? yeah you don't know right. what
0: you're going to get. Well, Rodon, that's the thing; he <laughs> a- hasn't pitched yet. <laughs> hasn't pitched. Right? Yeah, Same Jose thing. Quintana hasn't pitched yet because they've had they've had injuries. Um, but let's look at this. So let's look at the guys who were kind of in that mix and what they've done so far. Jamison Tyon. Remember, we talked about him. I actually brought his name up on this podcast.
1: You're going to see him this weekend. He's been brutal.
0: Six <laughs> starts, 6.66 ERA, 1.521 whip.
1: Hey, yeah, he stinks.
0: It's terrible. It's been terrible. Um, uh, So, you know, Chris Bassett, that's the one that's kind he's of an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's actually been decent. Uh, 3.49 ERA, 1.082 whip, which would be the best whip uh, of the current starting rotation. Even better than, than Nolan Wheeler uh if he was with the Phillies so that one, and that's that one not even
1: with Chris Bassett pitching against the Phillies five times a year who right. he ate up
0: you know yeah that's so that <laughs> one that one was a little bit of a surprise
1: were propped up by dominating the Phillies
0: yeah but that was that one was a little bit of a surprise um uh martin perez eight starts for the for the rangers right that's where he's at still they re-signed there right four two five ERA but a one point six oh six whip
1: mm-hmm.
0: Ross Stripling we just saw that <laughs> Four He's got a 7.14 ERA, you know, Tyler Anderson, 526 ERA, 1.619 whip. Like these were the guys that were all in that same yeah. category and none of them are, are performing. So, we, so it's hard to sit there and kill the Phillies for, for choosing Walker on this list. When in fact, the only ones that have been good, better so far, in all honesty, are Avaldi, who's eight starts, 270, 0994 whip. And, uh, and and Bassett. Right. I mean, there's the only two. But I would if you get if you would have said to me, Bob, at the time, and I think maybe you probably say the same thing. Um, all right. We, we have to get one of these three guys, Taiwan Walker, Nathan Evaldi or or Chris Bassett, who you are t- you signing? I'm probably signing Taiwan Walker. Of yeah, three. I probably
1: would too. I mean, I don't think when, when you start to look at what should they have done or should there be criticism levied towards the front office for this move? I don't think so. I, I think the reason why there's some agitation about this deal with him being here right now is because well, certainly first and foremost, because he hasn't performed, but, because arguably the best free agent pitcher is the guy that you had and let go. Now yeah. he's missed two starts already. And let's revisit this conversation when we get to the end of July. Is he is he going to miss two months because he has uh, knee issues again, which is very possible? That's That's going to be fast forward two, three months down the line. Let's, let's look at the durability and let's look at the production. Does Tywan Walker get it together? Is Zach Efflin still throwing the ball as well? Is he still available? And I think at that point it's more fair to have this conversation. But with Tywan Walker, I mean, just moving forward and what to expect the next time he takes the ball, we can talk about simplifying the, the pitch arsenal all we want, and, and that had worked through those two starts. Uh, but he he has to be able to get to a point where if he's not on – it's it's not a, a disaster. It's not two innings, three innings, seven runs, two-thirds of an inning, four runs. Like it, these these starts, he cannot have these absolute blow-up starts. He's gotta find a way to grind his way through innings when he doesn't have it. And uh, you know, Caleb Cotham has his work cut out for him on that one because right now that that guy is uh, is just a train wreck.
0: Yeah. Uh let let's look at we've we've beat again, beat up. Tyron Walker now who's next Uh, let's look at at the other spot in the rotation because Bailey falter obviously just doesn't have it who just maybe he finds it down maybe he goes down to the minors and has that you know epiphany of what's wrong and comes back later in the season and he's effective again like he was last year do you think,
1: real quick, before we get to this, you, you've been—I've been very critical of Bailey Falter as a as a pitcher this season in 2023. Do you think that that his problem is truly? <laughs> I actually like as I'm asking this, like I can I can hardly ask the question without injecting my own opinion into it. But I will I will finish. Do you think this is more of a mental thing, or do you think it's more of a physical thing? I uh, I think it's probably well. I think that there's probably some. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I mean, I think that
0: there's probably something mechanical that's not right. Um, But at the same time, I I do think it's a mental thing. I mean, God, you listen to his
1: answers, Anthony, and he's like, I don't even like he is a guy that like on a human level, you feel bad for him because he just seems like he's totally lost. Like he has no confidence in anything right now. Like, and I get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A a thousand percent. Like, and and, and, like you get, you could see it in his eyes when you ask Mm -hmm. him questions after a game. Like, it's just, it's just not. It's not good, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean he's he's the guy that's gotta you know figure that out, but beyond that, they don't know who's throwing on Sunday because right now, you're really your only options and they didn't they haven't called up another starting pitcher. so you so you could do one of one of a few things. one, you could you could have a bullpen game which we've seen them do in the past, right? They've done that in the past when they try to get through the entire second half of the 2021 season by throwing a bullpen game every fifth game. <laughs> and and we saw how that worked out. But you can do it if you for one day you want to, let's just kind of feel it out here and just see how it goes for for a week or so and just go with a total bullpen game fine. You can recall Christopher Sanchez who gave you one okay start earlier this year but otherwise has been terrible in Lehigh Valley. You could call up Michael Plassmeyer, who's been terrible in Lehigh Valley. You could call up Nick Nelson, who's not really a starter, right? I mean, he's another guy that's kind of like if you call him up, he's probably not going to give you – He
1: hurt again? Isn't that – didn't he re-injure his hand?
0: Yeah, well, I think he did. But I don't know if he went on to to the minor league IL. I think it was one where he re-aggravated the hamstring and they just kind of are taking it easy with him. So I don't know what the – what the what you know I, I'll find out I guess when I get down to the to the ballpark today what the specifics are on that but um yeah he did have that re, the re, you know retweaking of the hamstring the name that they that you know we keep hearing from out west um, from the reporters that are tra- that were traveling with them is Noah Skiro. everyone's like who who the <laughs> hell is he uh, it was an undrafted free agent who they um, who I think they they signed in uh, 2020 something like that um and who's been okay at triple a so far i mean i don't want to tell you he's had great numbers because he hasn't he's been just okay
1: Um, well it's funny he He had actually been pitching pretty pretty well uh and then his name kind of gets brought up as a potential guy in the mix out of the blue and what does he do he goes out on may 16th and he goes three and two-thirds innings gives up five earned runs and a pair of homers and and walks two batters. Like, I mean, it's just it's, – it's, it's tough. It's tough yeah. right now. Yeah. And the only other and
0: the only other name that no one's brought up, but I, I'll point out because they did make a move for him. Uh, they traded for him uh, right at the end of spring training, right before regular season started. Actually, matter of fact, I think it was the day before the regular season started. Is that uh, TJ Zook, or Zook, however you pronounce his last name, uh, from they traded for him from Colorado. He's pitched in the majors before. Um, he's not great. Uh, he was a former first round pick of the of the Blue Jays. but um uh, he has not he's been kind of just mediocre in the minors for the Phillies so far. Um, but he has experience as well. but either if either he or Skiro were to be the guy that they called upon, they'd have to select that contract, which means somebody from the forty man would have to come off. right. So now you'd have to lose somebody. Off the forty man, you know, roster, you, you you dumping another player just to get one of these guys to come up for a couple of spot starts. I, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't see that. That's why I'm a little perplexed as to what they would do. Like, I, like you look at their forty man roster, who are you knocking off the forty man to give the to give a to give Noah Escuro a a a chance to pitch in the major leagues?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, if you go pitcher. Um... Like, are you ready to give up on unless there's some unless there's something here with like an injury designation that they, they go to, you but,
0: to? Yeah, you would have to put somebody on a sixty. I you mean know, put an, somebody who's hurt would have to go on a sixty day IL.
1: Yeah. Huh? Um McKinley Moore. Like, do you want to give up on McKinley Moore to to get someone on the 40 man I I, I don't know. I really yeah, don't. No, I, I don't. Yeah. So that's so, why that's uh, why
0: to me, I don't see it unless again unless you're unless you're bob unless you're getting rid of like a plasmire right unless you finally say okay yeah this guy's not going to we're never going to need this guy right you know yeah. we, that's like that that could be the only thing maybe you do that like you sit there and say all right skiro's past plasmire or you know right. whatever or sanchez one of those guys so that th- really that's it i mean that's that's the only thing you could potentially do and that's so that's concerning to me like that's an issue to me So I don't know how, I mean, I'm assuming you feel the same way, but man, that's, that's Yeah, I mean, and we'll get our,
1: we'll get our first taste of that on Sunday in the third game of this series against the Cubs. And it's interesting. And I don't want to waste a lot of time talking about what to expect this weekend, because who the hell knows. But I, I will say this, this is a very similar conversation to the one that we had ahead of the Giants series, which is the Cubs come into Citizens Bank Park. They're five games under 500. They're five games under 500 on the road this season. They're two and eight in their last 10 games. They've been. Terrible, but then you start to look at it and you go, okay, so what does that mean for the Phillies this weekend? You got Ranger Suarez going tonight against Marcus Stroman. Stroman's been pretty good. We don't know what Ranger Suarez is going to be in his second start uh, coming back here after this delay to the beginning of the season. So it's a little bit of a toss up tonight. And then, you know, you have Nola going on, on Saturday against uh, Jameson Tyon, as you had said, Tyon's been bad. Uh, Nola has been better you would think that that's a win for the Phillies but then you get to you get to Sunday and you got Justin Steele going for the Cubs who's been awesome this year against the Phillies bullpen game so I look at Chicago and say yeah they stink and yeah they've been playing bad baseball lately but they probably have the pitching advantage in at least one game maybe two out of the three and oh by the way Cubs are a top 10 offense in Major League Baseball this season like they scored the ninth most runs per game fifth most in the National League so they're they're not a a, a, this is not a pushover opponent for the phillies and they were winless against them last year so knowing the phillies they will win this series they'll probably sweep the series we'll talk on monday and they'll either be two games under after they went two out of three or they're back to 500 and we say like man they're resilient and I just feel like we're gonna just keep having the same conversation for the next month. I expect them to finally like figure this out and go on a run and get five, ten games over five hundred. I think, but I just feel like if I know the twenty twenty three Phillies, they will certainly they will certainly win this series this weekend. And on Monday morning, we will discuss how look at how they stabilized. Isn't that great? I just feel like that's what we're gonna do.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's the case, Bob. You might be right. But here's the thing that that concerns me is that it's not just about stabilization at this point because this is, this is the, this is it. This is the, this is the last dress rehearsal in my mind um, for a lot of reasons, because what you end up having is after you have the Cubs and then the sneaky good Arizona Diamondbacks who, like you said, you know, that's my team, right? I, I did, I did think that they were actually a a better team than, than a lot of people do. Um, Then you, then, then you get into a long road trip, and it's a long one because you play next Wednesday at home, and then you don't play at home again until June 5th, okay? So you have a 10-game road trip against the Braves, the Mets, and then, of course, the Nationals, but it's all division games. You know, we haven't really seen, other than that Marlins series, we haven't really seen, um, you know, division, division baseball this year. They've been playing a lot of American League teams, a lot of teams from the West, right, just haven't seen it. Now we get into the division and these yeah. games are going to matter a little bit more and the Braves are certainly a litmus test for you. So you're 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 in you're in the week before the show opens, man. Like this is it. This is this is your this is your dress rehearsal, your dry run to get the shit right. And so you got to do it against the Cubs and the D-backs because when you go into that Atlanta series, it's going to be it, that team Atlanta's been waiting for you since last October. Right, they're not happy, and they they they're, they're not happy about it. they got off to a good start, but they you know a little bit of struggles lately um, for them. But I think that they're they've been looking at the, looking for that Philly series for a while. So you got to be ready. You can't go into the, into that series playing haphazardly. You've got yeah. to go in there playing your best baseball, and and that could and that's a four gamer that could that could end end your thoughts of winning the division quick if you're not on your game. So this is that's why I say this is an important homestand. this six games for the Phillies in in May, right? It's an important homestand
1: because I'm, of the I'm position totally they put you.
0: themselves in. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I'm totally let's just, let me because let let's just look at it from this perspective, Bob. Let's say let's say that things were five games different, right? Let's say the instead of twenty and twenty three, let's say the Phillies are twenty five and eighteen at this point. Let's just throw that oh, random yeah. number. Out. A big difference, but sure, yeah. Yeah, okay. But, 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 but seriously, like we just just five game difference, right? Let's just say that's what it is. Then this homestand isn't as big a deal,
1: no, right? I mean, it's just, it's just, that's it's just that's my whole point. point. I've been saying this all year. I'm like, you, you started one and five, you started 0 and four, one and five, you started yeah. 15 and 19, you're 20 and 23. Like, people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's only May. It's a, you don't know baseball, it's a 162, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm like, dude, what are we talking about? Yeah. You're, you're talking like I've said this a million times. The Atlanta Braves are the best team in the national league and you're seven games behind them and you have no margin for error now. So you can't go out and get swept by the San Francisco giants. And oh, by the way, like one, one other thing, because I've you just totally set me off here. Like the things that we talk about, go back to Monday's show. How stupid am I? Oh, you know, listen, they, things weren't going well for the Phils in the uh, in that finale on mother's day, but man, Bryce Harper, Got the boys fired up at the end, you know, showing some fight. We I named the damn show showing some fight. Oh, uh, look at this. The Phils, man. They got each other's backs. And what do they do for three games out in San Francisco? Nothing. Nothing. How about you respond by, by hitting with somebody in scoring position? How about you beat Gabe Kapler in the 17 and 23 San Francisco Giants? That that would be tough. Like, come on, man. Yeah. like I'm sorry like I know I know I sound like a, a lunatic right now I know but like it is so <laughs> it is so annoying it is so annoying to watch it play out the way it did yeah like I'm disappointed in the Phillies because I actually thought that that moment mattered like and maybe it will somewhere down the line and they'll say like remember that time in Colorado like and maybe in August when the Phillies are winning eight straight and they're all clicking. It'll say that that game really mattered, but in the direct aftermath of it, it didn't mean shit. And you're right. Yes. They, they have completely, they've completely used up all of their equity. It's time to go. You better figure it out here. You better figure it out. These next six games before you go and play the varsity teams now, because they've played nobody and they're three games under 500.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, look, you you could sit there and say that that stretch with the Dodgers and Boston and Toronto was it a Houston Dodgers, Boston, Toronto. That was a tough stretch.
1: Yeah. Sure. And right? They had LA. I, I get it. I say they played yeah, nobody, yeah. I they've played nobody, but I've said they've also played some bottom feeders, but they, they have, have
0: you're right. A thousand percent. They've played a, a ton of bottom feeders and they're 20 and 23.
1: Mike right? Schmidt said it the other day. He was on uh, the WIP morning show with Joe DeCamera I believe. And he was like the Phillies just need to beat bad teams they have to beat the teams that they are better than that they are clearly more talented than like i have no problem I, hell i respect it you you go to you go to houston and you went two out of three you you beat the blue jays head up two times like that's great right like but you can't you, you you cannot you can't split with the reds you can't get swept by the giant like, yeah. it just cannot happen
0: agree agree you can't you can't have those things happen so so yeah that's why I say that's you why want to say, say
1: anything that, nice do you want to say anything do you want to talk about JT Real Muto's uh, 1.039 OPS over his last 15 like or do you, can we just shut this down
0: <laughs> I think we should, I think we shut it down no in, in all honesty, it's fair you know look there's players that who are who've played well I mean you know Harper's been great since he came back Real Muto's been on fire for a while um, you know so there's guys who've, who've done well uh, Alec Bohm had a nice yeah if, if you want to look at somebody who had a nice road trip. I think Alec Bohm had a nice road trip, really started to kind of look like the guy that we were talking about at the beginning of the season, right you know, it was almost it was almost uh, perfect for us because we brought it up and then all of a sudden in the last episode right or, or two episodes yep. ago, and then he just started hitting so um, so it was good I mean so there are some there is some good things and, and you hope that that, that those continue um, but no, right now you can't be you can't sit here and, and, and try and find positives when you hey, get, just get swept by the San Francisco Giants. There's no can positive.
1: Can you think about what this would have sounded like on my end, at least? Like, you've been fairly critical, but I would say measured. Like, I'm pretty annoyed right now. Like, yeah. I am. I, I'm, I'm annoyed. I, I'm annoyed. So imagine what this would have sounded like 36 hours ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we do have to do one last thing, of course. Sure. And I, And I would be – we would be totally remiss if we don't bring up the cheating New York Yankees, <laughs> and we got to talk about it, right? So we got to, so like I, I think you're going to be surprised by my take on this, but um, well, at least at least on one part of it, anyway. Over the weekend, case I mean, over the past few past series, they played the Toronto Blue Jays in what was a spirited series between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Uh, if, but if you haven't seen it, there was a big to do about the Yankees cheating because. Aaron judge was caught peeking at the first base uh, coach who apparently saw um, uh, one of the blue Jays pitchers tipping his pitches um, and was then giving a sign to judge as to what was coming. Um, and, and based on like the first base coach being able to see the grip that the the pitcher had, Jay Jackson was the pitcher who's now been yeah. sent back down, um, but it was able to see his grip. And so judge would get a, Quick peek at the coach, and and then know what was coming, and then of course he had a big home run off of him, and everything else, and so the Blue Jays started bitching about it that they were chirping from the bench. Then the Blue Jays complained about um, uh, was it Herman Herm- um, who was found to have sticky stuff uh, on his hands. They asked him to clean it off. If you look at his jersey, he's got like what looks like freaking pine tar all over his pants, right? Um, so he's going to get suspended. So, let's talk about the cheating Yankees first, my take on this, Bob is this: I have zero problem with what judge did and the and the first base coach. You're not using any advanced technology; it's part of the game. It's on the pitcher to make sure that they that he's hiding that so that nobody else can see the grip on his pitch in advance. I have zero problem with it. That stuff's been going on in baseball since the dawn of time. agreed um. But the, the sticky stuff thing has gotten out of hand now. It's really it's really kind of ridiculous. And I know baseball wants to crack down on it, and they have Scherzer got the suspension. Her mom's going to get the suspension now. But I got to think that there are pitchers who are still getting away with it and getting away with it frequently. And so the question then becomes, do you still crack down on it, or do you just say, let the pitchers be the pitchers?
1: So uh, I agree with everything you just said, by the way, I, with the whole Aaron Judge deal. I mean, and, and to uh, Blue Jays pitcher's credit, I mean, he said I was I was tipping my pitches. I I need to not do that. I mean, he took yeah. He owned it. So I don't think I think that's a non story for the most part. As far as the sticky stuff goes, it kind of reminds me of when you go back to the steroid era. Remember the argument? It would be like, well, if, if you want to do that to your body, just open it up. Like, just take the rules off and you put whatever you want into your body and, and let it rip. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's got to be some some happy medium to this. I, I No matter what you do, whether you crack down on it or you just go open season, it, it, pitchers are always going to look to push the envelope they're always going to find that next thing that gives them that advantage so I think baseball's right to try to monitor and restrict and implement some type of guideline but my bigger issue I think is more in that there's there's probably inconsistencies like I I think that there are you you hear pitchers talk about this all the time it's well I I always do this or I thought this was okay. And maybe they're being disingenuous. Maybe they're straight up lying when they say that, but there always just seems to be this massive gray area, like where they go, well, I, I thought this was cool. Why is this not okay? You saw, you, I mean, you saw Scherzer's reaction. He was just, he was beside himself. Like, he's like, I, I do not understand. How, and, and whether or not he's, he's full of it or not, I don't know, but there's enough annoyance on the part of the pitchers that you wish that they were able to tinker these guidelines and these restrictions where they could figure this out, where they could genuinely re- enforce these rules in a more consistent way. That, that's my thought.
0: Now, here's the thing, Bob. and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a, an example from a Phillies game recently. Um, and it didn't matter because the pitcher was all over the place. And it, I don't think if, if he was doing anything wrong, it may not have been. But if he was, it certainly wasn't helping. But we mentioned Alex Cobb start. He's as fidgety a pitcher as I've ever seen between between pitches. He has to rub the ball. He has to rub his hand, his pitching hand through his hair. Uh, you know, he has to adjust his hat. He's got to touch his belt. He's got to wipe his back leg of back of his pant leg. All, this is all happening during the 10 seconds that he has, you know, before he's got to start getting into his wind up the pitch. So uh, the question is, is like, are these guys just routine? guys and they feel like they just have to touch them their bodies and all these different different places or are they trying to load something up onto their hand by doing this and and you know I, far be it for me i don't really remember guys being this fidgety all the time and having to touch everything and, and even when the game was slower like i don't really remember that back when i was younger i mean obviously in recent seasons we've seen it more frequently but i just don't get it and so it makes me say like how many guys – and he's not alone, Alex Cobb. I don't want to make it seem like he's, he stands out, but, I mean, it was a game that probably a lot of our, our listeners were watching. You know, if a lot of guys are doing this, I mean, how can you really litigate that? How can you really control that? Because if they're they're just – it's you know whether you it's the guys who lick their hand and then they look like they're wiping it, but are they really wiping it because they're wiping it in the sp- in the same spot every time? So is there something on that spot of their of their uniform? You know what? So that's just there's like eight bazillion questions, and I don't know. You got an umpire looking at a guy's bare hand and touching it just to see if it's sticky. I I don't necessarily know if that's if that's the solution. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. I do know what you're saying. I just don't know where they, where they go. I think once also you open the door to, we are going to enforce something. It's a really weird look and and with anything where you just say, actually, you know what we decided we can't really properly police this thing. So now we're just not going to do it. Go ahead. Have at it. I I just don't know how you do it. So I I agree though. And, And the one thing I would say just in this particular instance, Like, all eyes are on the Yankees right now. All eyes are on, are you playing it by the book? Are you doing the right things? And then the very next day, he comes out and does this. And you're like, you would think if there was ever a time. Like, if you're going to go and maybe make a start and go to it and and give it a shot, like, how far can I push it here? It wouldn't have been that start, but whatever
0: it's it's always uh it's always something in this sport it's yeah. always there's always it's amazing something.
1: like we do this every twice a week and you will be able to come with me or come to me on monday with the, the next thing that happens like the next <laughs> did you see this violation of this rule or this stupid thing that this i mean it, it it's inevitable
0: right so. yeah Well, that's, but that's the sport, man. That's what it is. Well, I'm going
1: to go do some yoga and, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm going to go put on some smooth jazz and turn off the lights and take a couple deep breaths. And I told you I was bringing a a different perspective to the show this season. So um... that's funny. All right. Well, you will be down there this weekend on uh, Friday and Saturday. I will be down there on Sunday doing the game. So,
0: assuming they play Saturday,
1: assuming they play, the weather looks a little bit iffy at the moment. That so that's... you might
0: be you might be getting a doubleheader Sunday.
1: Ooh, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh can't wait can't wait very exciting uh so yeah we'll be down there uh covering the the 20 and 23 philadelphia phillies we'll be back on monday morning with a brand new episode you can follow the show on twitter at up phillies you can follow anthony at aunt you can follow me at bob Wankel cb follow us on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere that you get your shows and we will talk to you on monday thanks for listening everybody